All right, Sixers fans, welcome to an emergency edition of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss in the opening minutes of free agency. Although, let's be honest, we know there's been a hell of a lot of tampering going on because some of these deals, we heard about them being kind of in the works of the last few days. Uh, before we jump into things, the Sixers did end up making a trio of signings. All three of those guys, incidentally, used to play for the Houston Rockets. Uh, a couple of them during Daryl Morey's tenure there. They got one of the big fish that they wanted. We heard about that deal a bit before. Some huge news surrounding the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to jump into all that. Before we do, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. The man behind a lot of the magic you see at our site, Mr. Paul Hedrick, joining me for this one. Paul, first off, how have the last few hours been for you leading up to the <laughs> six o'clock uh, opening of free agency? I'm laughing because, yeah, that's, that's how they've been. Um, yeah, you know, I, I have to give uh, credit to my fiance. She did She cooked us a fantastic meal and um, had us ready to go. So um, really, she's the real MVP here because I I, I feel like a million bucks uh, knowing that I just had a nice steak and some potatoes and asparagus. But yeah, man, um, it's been a pretty not even just a, uh, a few hours. Jazz. It's really been a wild day. Uh, you know, it's 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 been a lot. And then, you know, of course, some of the stuff that I, I reported earlier that it's very likely that Tobias Harris is back with the Sixers, which not a lot of people were thrilled about. but. It's what I'm being told. So that's the reality of that, even though I know Brian Windhorst mentioned something about him being on the trade market, when in the reality is, I mean, Tobias Harris has been on the trade market probably since Daryl Morey took this job. But the reality is he makes, you know, close to $40 million over the next two seasons, and they refuse to dump contracts. So when all of that's happening, um, here we are with Tobias Harris, very likely to be a Sixer again next year. Yeah, and you know what? This is that has been a huge storyline because again, the Sixers, as you mentioned, the last couple of years since Daryl Morey was around, Tobias Harris always a name that's been thrown around. They still have two years left on his deal. I think that contract, even though it'll be just over thirty nine million for the twenty twenty three twenty four season, probably be a little bit easier to move then as a salary dump. Again, you're going to have to add some sweeteners there, but I think that might be an option next off season. Getting into what the Sixers are doing this off season the world's worst kept secret when we've known for maybe about a week now that the Sixers were going to go hard after PJ Tucker ended up landing him. It's a three-year deal, a fully guaranteed $33.2 million, basically using all of their non-taxpayer mid-level exception there. Uh, they did make another signing, Paul, to give them some, some depth with Daniel House Jr., but I wanted to jump into P.J. Tucker first. Looking at what he brings for the Sixers, Joel Embiid said this, that he, you know, by name, said we want need guys like P.J. Tucker, and, and, and we know that what Tucker brings in terms of toughness. We know what he brings in terms of three-point shooting shot, 41.5% from beyond the arc last season with Miami. Another key strength of his as well is hitting from the corners, right? And that's what we saw guys like Matisse Thibel majorly struggle with in the Sixers in general. Unless Danny Green was on, they weren't getting much of that, much of those open looks from the corners. So you look at what P.J. Tucker brings. How excited are you for this signing? And I do have to ask, how do you think this is going to age? Because you look at, at Tucker right now, already 37 years old, going to be 40 by the time we get into that deal. So what, what do you think about this um, in terms of overall value and what Tucker's going to bring and help the Sixers try and become a championship contender? Well, in a vacuum, just adding P.J. Tucker to the Philadelphia 76ers is outstanding. Um, mm -hmm. What he did last year, for the Miami Heat, I thought he was their third best player th through that run. And I think you saw 
you know, don't, you know, you can throw the, he's, he's definitely a guy. You throw all the numbers out. You, you see the impact he makes the winning plays he makes for a team, for a, a very good team um, with what he did against the Sixers in the, in the postseason. I think like, it's fair to wonder if you just flat out flipped it and had Tucker on the Sixers um, and him not on the heat, that series probably changes pretty dramatically. That's how good he was in that series. So um, from that standpoint, and you know, and then even the year before that, he, he helps the, the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship. You know, he was kind of, you could make an argument. He was like their fourth best player, um, you know, behind their big trio. So mm-hmm. this is a guy that he, he, again, just like what I said already, like a winning basketball player. He just, he gets every loose ball. Um, he does all the little things. He's so adaptable. Like he fits whatever role, like Miami last year actually gave him a little bit more leeway to do some stuff offensively. And he excelled. He did some pretty good things in that role. When he was in Houston, the role was okay, spot up and, and, you know, keep your hands open for James Harden passing you the basketball, which I imagine um, the role will be similar to, to that. So, I mean, and I know like the one concern a lot of people have um, beyond the contract, which I'll get into in a minute, but as far as on the court, him and Tobias together. And, and I get it. Uh, I, I get that I, I, from us. I don't think it matters as much as far as like who's a three, who's a four, because PJ Tucker can guard wings. Uh, PJ Tucker guarded James Harden uh, for that entire series. Tobias Harris has proven now, you know, he did really well against Pascal Siakam. He has proven um, that, you know, he, he can, he can handle those types of matchups. So I'm not looking at it from that standpoint. What I, the one concern I get is the three volume. Um, both of those guys are, are a little bit on the lower end when you're talking about Tobias and PJ Tucker. But I think two things, one, you saw Tobias really up his volume as it wore on, as, as he played more and more with James Harden and he got more comfortable. And then two with PJ Tucker, his, the highest attempts per game in his career is when he played with James Harden, like by far, I think he's double his career average in attempts from three when he's played with Harden. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big deal. Um, but the contract is clearly what we're worried about, right? I mean, you're giving a 37 year old, a three-year contract worth $33 million and it's fully guaranteed. I thought perhaps that third year, maybe there'd be like a partial guarantee or something like that. But you're, you're talking about paying a 40 year old player over $10 million. That's a lot. So like, again, in a vacuum, love PJ Tucker. I think he makes them better. He's going to be a great piece for them. I think it's totally 100% fair to be, to be leery of that contract because you are paying a 37-year-old man a lot of money and hoping that that decline doesn't just happen in a hurry. Yeah, Paul, and that's that's my angle and outlook on this too, right? You're, you're looking at it probably not going to age well at the age of 40, although let's be real. P.J. Tucker doesn't rely on athleticism. P.J. Tucker doesn't rely on being overly quick. He's strong as an ox. He's, he plays a very low center of gravity in terms of being tough and, and wide and strong. So again, he's not, I don't think you have to worry too much about him falling off a cliff. It just, is he going to be playable at, at 40? Uh, that remains to be seen. But looking at this, and this is all only possible because of the fact that James Harden took less in terms of not opting into his $47.4 million deal. He decided to take a little bit less to help the Sixers. We'll ultimately get more than that in terms of the lifetime of the contract. But I feel like Daryl Morey and the rest of the Sixers brass are kind of like marrying these two deals together, right? If is expected Harden signs a three-year deal, including next season, then you basically got Tucker and Harden together. And then we're going to see what happens from there. And um, looking at, at what Tucker brings as well in terms of, 
what his strengths and weaknesses are. He had a 6.2 net rating for the, that was second best on the heat of any players who actually played, you know, a lot of minutes and meaningful minutes. Um, you 2.7 points better. The heat were with him on the court per hundred possessions. What do you think his his biggest value is going to be to the Sixers for next season? The defensive versatility is big. I think again, you know, he guarded James Harden for, for a good portion of that series, really all that series. Mm -hmm. Um, and you look, in years past, like he's guarded Kevin Durant, you know, mixed success there because it's Kevin Durant. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest thing is that he's able to guard a lot of different people and guard them well. And then, yeah, just that physicality issue. We, we heard nothing but, you know, this team lacked toughness. That's all we heard from everybody up and down after they lost game six. This team lacked toughness, physicality, mental toughness, you name it. Uh, PJ Tucker doesn't lack any of those things. He is one of the grittiest players in the entire league and I, I it's not that he's I, I guess maybe when people hear that too they think like oh that's all he but like on top of that um he's one of the best corner three-point shooters in the entire NBA uh, he's smart he just knows how to play the game he's he has a high basketball IQ and I think you and I have talked about that before jazz like uh, the Sixers just never feel like they have enough guys that fit that description who are just good at playing the game of basketball that know, you know, when to make the extra pass, when to take the shot, when to set it, you know, when to do things, when, you know, when to help defensively, like they don't have never had enough of those kind of guys. And I think Tucker just his experience. Um, and then, you know, um, just the playoff experience, especially when you look at what he's done again, the last couple of years, most notably when he was with the heat. And then when he was with, uh, the Bucks two years before that, or even when he was with James Harden, I think that's another thing. Like the familiarity with James Harden, I think is absolutely nothing to sneeze at here. I think that's a big part of why he's here. You mentioned James Harden, you know, being willing to take a little bit less money in order to facilitate everything. It's fair to question if it's a different player that if it's not PJ Tucker is, is Harden as agreeable to that. I'm not so sure. And then, mm -hmm. and, and like, like you mentioned off the top, Joel Embiid named this game, like he, he mentioned P.J. Tucker by name when the series ended. When your franchise player, your MVP candidate says, we need more guys like P.J. Tucker, and then P.J. Tucker is a free agent, you better try your damnedest to get him here. I'm not saying that you, 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 know, <laughs> you, you, you sell the house, you do, but you try your damnedest to get that guy in the house. Um, so I think that's the other thing, too, is like, Yes, like on the court, he is a good basketball player. He's going to help them in a lot of ways. But I just think he's going to help the mentality, too. Like he's going to give them a swagger and a toughness and an edge that I think they've sorely lacked for at least a couple of years here. Yeah, and you mentioned that too, Paul. They just needed some hoopers, like just straight up guys who could ball. And and you know what I mean? Both ends of the court, they might not put up 25 points for you, but they can play. And we saw how much the lack of depth hurt them when they played a high-end team like Miami. And, and presumably the same thing would have happened against a team like the Celtics, against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. So again, making the right moves here to try and fill out the roster and getting a little bit more athletic. I think Daryl Morey has hit the nail on the head so far with the moves that he's making. Uh, the other guy we mentioned that is the bigger name signing that they got, Daniel House Jr. He played with Utah last at three different stops during last season with the Rockets, went to the Knicks for a very short stint that ended up on Utah. Looking at what he brings, average 6.8 points per game, uh, 2.7 rebounds. Shot the ball very well from out, from outside, 41.5% during his stint with the Jazz. And you look at what he brings in terms of with Utah specifically, uh, the Jazz were a lot better with him on the court than they were with him off, off the court, a full 
seven points better per 100 possessions with House on the court. That was only for the 25 games that he played with Utah last season. When you look at what he brings, and again, he's a little bit up there. He's not like a, a younger guy like, like Melton at 24. Um, looking at, at House, he's 29 years old, but a uh, little bit on the on the, the middle tweener size, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, will bring uh, some nice in terms of depth and, and wing depth. But what else are you looking for from House, and where do you think he fits into the Sixers rotation? Similar to Tucker, you know, in, in a vacuum, I love it. Um, I, I, he's a great fit for what they need. Uh, you know, what I was told before free agency is they were looking to add wing depth and they wanted physicality and versatility. You're getting that in both of these guys. Um, you mentioned Daniel House at 6'6". He can guard really one through three fairly easily. Uh, fours, you know, depending on the four, he could even stretch it out to that. And again, when looking back, it's uh, I know all the, you know, Philadelphia Rockets jokes are coming in hot and heavy right now. But when you look at House and you look at his career, his best two seasons are with James Harden. So you have two guys that, you know, had pretty good stints elsewhere. As you mentioned, Daniel House was pretty darn good for the Jazz um, down the stretch uh, when they picked him up off, off the scrap heap when, when the season was uh, was ending. But both of these guys were tremendous when they played with James Harden. And when I look kind of at the totality of, of these three guys, right? When I look at Tucker, I look at Melton and I look at house. This is, you added that to a team that took the Miami heat to six games with Joel and B with a broken face and with, you know, James Harden, I think not, not 100%. Yeah. So you're just adding. And I listen, I don't even know if they're done. They might not be done yet. They, they might look to make a trade or do something else. Cause it looks like, you know, right now they're really down to veteran minimum contracts. That seems like the deal at this point. Um, but those three players, adding them to this mix, you're adding three playoff caliber rotation players. Um, and I think defensively, one thing that Maury talked about uh, when the season ended and you see the difference. I mean, clearly a big part of why they weren't as good defensively last year is you lose Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is a defensive player of the year candidate, deservedly so. He just does so much on that end of the floor. He's so versatile, maybe the most versatile defender in the league. You take him away and just, man, they were really relying on Joel and B to just carry the defense every night. And it just didn't quite work out as well as they wanted. So I think, you know, one of the things Maury stressed at the end of the season is we were a top 10 defense two years ago. We were not that this year. We need to get back to that. Well, you had Tucker. You had Melton, you had House. Those are three guys that are going to give you great effort, great energy, and just good sound play on the defensive end of the floor. They're going to make things happen. Um, so you're looking at, like, you know, you're starting five. You have Embiid, you have Harris, you have Tucker, uh, you have Max, you have Harden. Then off the, your first two off the bench are Melton and House. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good start. Um, and then you're going to, you know, and then the rest is competition, right? I mean, that's, but that's a good thing. You're going to have Reed and Bassey, uh, you know, fighting for minutes at the five. Where does this kind of leave George Niang? I think that's an interesting question, too, because now you have Tucker and Harris that can both play the four. So where is Niang uh, kind of in all of this? You still have a guy like Shake Milton, whose option was picked up. Matisse Thibel, if he's still on this roster, where does he fit? So what I think the house signing does, what the Tucker signing does, what the trade for Milton does, it just lengthens the roster. It gives you more. NBA playoff caliber players, and, and it's going to make Doc Rivers' life a lot easier when he can go to the bench and know, okay, I have at least these two or three guys that I know I can bring in 
and we're not going to have a severe drop off when they do. Yeah. And Paul, you, you mentioned a guy like George, George Niang, you know what, at $3.5 million roughly a pretty damn good option to have on your bench. Now, was he best suited to be the sixth or seventh man last year? I don't think so. I think he, now he's going to be better suited to a role of he's your ninth or 10th option. You know what I mean? Coming, coming off the, coming into the game where he doesn't have the pressure to come in and deliver because there were many times last year. And I thought George Niang overall had a very good season for the Sixers his first year in Philly obviously coming over as a free agent and you look at what he was able to do now that's going to give Doc some more flexibility and and it's he's going to have like you mentioned just that depth with guys that are legitimate NBA players where we were questioning that sometimes like hey can Isaiah Joe give us uh, enough run consistently uh, what do we see from Charles Bassey uh, Paul Reed showed really well in the playoffs in terms of being a rotational piece but we didn't get that answer until late in the season that's partially not not his fault that's partially on doc being hesitant to give him a chance but when you look at this now you mentioned who you think the starting lineup is we know that melton we know that house will probably be either like you know the the first one or the, or the first two or two out of the first three to be coming off the bench what else do you think the rotation looks like beyond those guys we know the sixers aren't completely done yet they can make some more moves at this point they'll have a little bit of flexibility with with the veterans minimums who knows if they move off a contract Matisse Thibel could be moved as well and I want to jump into that with you but who do you see as the second rotation right now coming off the bench like who are your six through ten guys on the Sixers yeah well like for like I already mentioned you you need the backup center so to me that's I don't I don't believe they should sign a veteran that's just my Two cents there. Even if you can get a guy on the minimum, I, I don't think that that's the right option. I think you need to give Paul Reed and Charles Bassey every opportunity to earn those roles. Um, again, I, I'm very curious to see where George Niang fits in all this. Um, will will they stick mostly to Tucker kind of playing the three and then give Niang minutes at the four? Because uh, that's where Niang, it, it's going to be tough for Niang. He, he, can, he doesn't have that versatility, right? Like he is stuck at the four. That's just where he is. And look, I, I don't want to crush George Niang because he was really, really good for them uh, during the regular season. Uh, where he struggled was the playoffs. So, and it's also fair to note he was dealing with a knee injury as well. So, um, you know, it, it, it'll be that's the guy I'm kind of most interested to see where he winds up. But, you know, you talk about Thibel, and Thibel's going to have an opportunity to earn minutes for sure. They're going to need more wing minutes than, than just, you know, those few guys, you know, those couple of guys we mentioned. Um, Shake Milton's going to have an opportunity. You know, he, Shake Milton's 6'6". People forget that, and he's got long arms. He's got, I think, like a 6'10 wingspan. Like, this is a guy who can guard wings. So there's going to be opportunity perhaps for him to steal some wing minutes, and I think he could be better suited for an off-ball role, which is what he would have. Uh, I still... I'm a big fan of Isaiah Joe. I'm not sure that Doc Rivers is, but I am. <laughs> I still think he can play. Uh, I, I would like to see him get a longer look. I think he's a pretty good defender, and I think that shot, I think with a little bit more time and a little bit more burn on the court, he can maybe find his rhythm and and you know and, and earn some minutes. And then, of course, there's guys like you never know. Like you never know with Jaden Springer. Maybe Jaden Springer has a fantastic camp. Maybe he comes to the camp and he can hit threes. Um, if he can do that, his defense is probably already NBA ready. Doc Rivers said he thinks he's got a chance to be elite on that end of the floor. And as you know, Jazz, for Doc Rivers to compliment young players, that <laughs> takes an awful lot. So, no. But, you know, it, it is. It's a big compliment. I think, you know, Doc, uh, Daryl Morey as well after the draft was extremely complimentary of Jaden Springer, too, and said he would like, you know, they would really like to, to see him take a step forward and see where he is. So you can't rule out him possibly getting an opportunity and, and seeing what he has. So 
it'll be interesting. And I don't, I don't want to disclude um, the two way guys either. You have Charlie Brown Jr., who I think showed a little something when, when he played here. He's a, clearly an NBA defender. Um, whether he can shoot the ball well enough to be, it's kind of the same question as Matisse Thibel, whether he is a good enough shooter on the other end. But this is a guy who's like six, seven, really long. He guarded Jimmy Butler extremely well when they played the Heat. Like he's a sneaky guy that can maybe get some minutes. So there's, and then as you mentioned too, like they, they're not, I don't think they're done. I think something else happens. Um, whether it's a trade, that will then give them the opportunity to sign somebody or whether it's just a trade where they get somebody back in return that can help them. Um, I'm not positive that they're done yet. Paul, what do you think happens with Matisse Thibel? I know you were saying that right now. Basically, they're not done yet. That's one of the guys I'm looking at as, okay, now you got Melton. Now you're bringing in House. Now you're bringing in P.J. Tucker, guys who are also known for their defensive play, uh, maybe not at the level of Matisse. And, and again, at 24 years old, he still has a ton to offer. Uh, struggled mightily from especially the three-point line. Shot just 31%, um, average under six points. But again, got enough minutes. And, and I feel like had enough trust, not only from the coaching staff, but from the management team, that he was supposed to be a big part of this roster obviously didn't live up to that. Do you think Matisse is back with the team next season? As we sit here right now, I, I lean towards yes, but if a deal comes along that they like, I, I, I think they'll take it. I, I really do. Like, so what I've been told all along and so far it's played out that way. I've been told they are not in the business of dumping salaries. They are not going to trade guys just to get off salary, just to keep guys. If they're going to make a trade, they want a player or they want an asset that is going to help them now or in the future. So if a team offers, like, I don't know, a heavily protected first for Matisse Seibel, they might take that because it gives them flexibility to maybe flip that first-round pick at the deadline or something like that. Or maybe they get a veteran that's, you know, a little bit more three than D than Seibel is. You know what I mean? A little bit more of a balanced player that can give them something on both ends of the floor that just fits their timeline better. And they, and Thibault goes to a team that maybe can afford to have a little bit more patience. I know uh, the Mavericks were mentioned as a team that really liked them. The, the Trailblazers were. There were some whispers about the Bulls before. So if any of those teams just has a player that maybe just fits what the Sixers need right now better than Thibault does, maybe there's an opportunity there. But to me, I feel like if that trade was out there, it probably would have already happened. Um, you never know. I mean, th things like as free agency goes and as teams kind of have a clearer picture of what they had, and maybe a team whiffed on a guy they thought could really help them defensively. Um, and they turn around and call down Murray and say, okay, actually we're ready to re-engage on Matisse because we didn't get, I don't know, Lou Dort or someone like that. Um, so I, I lean that he is back, but I don't think that that's like a foregone conclusion. I could still see a possibility where he's moved. Paul, the Sixers did suffer a pretty big loss. DeAndre Jordan. Signed with the Denver Nuggets within the first minute of free agency. How happy were you to see that? Like, good riddance, DJ. I, like I said, he had a great uh, career. And by all essence of what we know about him, a very nice man. But, yeah, thank God we, we, we got rid of him within minutes of free agency starting. He is a hell of a nice guy, DeAndre Jordan. And I am very happy for him that he's going to get to continue his career. But I think... Darren Morey was very smart to make sure that Doc Rivers did not get his hands back on DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. Um, wish him all the best. I hope he does great in Denver. I really do, like truly. Like I, I hope he's fantastic. I think the Sixers were very wise uh, to move on from that and perhaps give these young guys, as I already mentioned, I think Paul Reed and Bassey should be the guys. They should be 
um, competing for that that spot of backup five when training camp opens. And I don't think they should have any competition from a veteran um, unless it's a like minimum deal and not a veteran that we think doc rivers will play over both of those guys. Uh, Paul. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break. Like I mentioned off the top of the podcast, everybody in the basketball world already knows what the major news of the day is. Kevin Durant requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. That's going to have a major ripple effect across the NBA. Let's jump into that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Paul, we're back talking about Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn. That's management. Sean Marks going to owner Josiah, basically saying, hey, I want out. Time for me to go after the whole Kyrie debacle. Kyrie did end up opting in for his $36 million option. What do you make of that? And what was your what first came across your mind when you saw that news breaking this morning? Wow. Um, it's funny because I was just, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, my day and how crazy it's been. I was just putting my seven month old son down for a nap, literally had just gotten him down for a nap. And I'm very glad that I did not audibly react when I saw that notification <laughs> pop up. So he stayed asleep. We were all good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild because first you see the Shams report and you're like, okay, like he requested a trade, whatever. But then you see Woj kind of give more details where he says they are looking, they're working to find a trade for him. And it's like, oh, holy shit. Like this, this is going to happen. Like this is not like just talk or this is not just a leverage play. This sounds like he wants out of there and they are going to make it happen. Um, I'm not surprised at all when I see the two teams, especially, you know, the Suns and the Heat, they were literally the one seeds in each conference. Of course, like uh, I'm KD, that's where I'd want to go to. Uh, I'd want to go to a team that I know has a chance to win and where I'm sur- like what I thought I was getting in the nets. That's what I would want to try to find. Um, tr- and then you look at, you know, the Suns uh, on top of the Suns being a, a one seed, man, they have some great assets to offer. Right. I mean, whether it's, they can finagle a way to get, you know, to, to, to figure out a way to get Deandre Jayton, uh, Deandre Ayton in the mix, whether it's, you know, Michael Bridges, you know, they have draft picks. they, you know, they have young players they can offer that would really, I think, entice the Nets. And if that's where KD wants to go in this age of player empowerment, you kind of have to give into the player a little bit. Um, so I think that's where it is. And I know Miami was mentioned as another team. Miami, again, can offer some pretty good assets when you're talking about a Tyler Hero and you're talking about some of their younger guys and, and draft picks they have, too. But uh, it, to me, it seems like the Suns make the most sense. I know Sixers fans were all over it, but. I got to be honest, guys, I do not see that path even a little bit because that would involve, first of all, that would involve the Nets taking back Tobias Harris, which I don't see why they would have an appetite to do that. Um, It would mean KD reuniting with Harden, which does KD want to do that after the fallout they all kind of had in Brooklyn. And then lastly, and I guess that ties into the, to the last point is that the Sixers aren't on KD's list. It's, it's the Suns. And it's the, and it's the heat that we're hearing. Like, KD has some leverage here. Like, like I would not be surprised if they refuse to trade him if KD just pulls a Ben Simmons and says, "Okay, cool, I'm not going to play," because um, that would be something Kevin Durant I think would do if he didn't feel comfortable. So, 
I think to me, all all roads are leading to the Suns. Um, and I think the Nets will get a pretty good haul. But with that said, man, did the Nets really bungle all of this, right? I mean, yeah. this, I'll say this. This all makes James Harden look really good, doesn't it? Like, it does. He, he comes out he, looking he, great out of all he, this. Right? He takes less money to help the Sixers win. Meanwhile, KD and Kyrie are trying to force their way out of Brooklyn. It looks James Harden's looking at it, looking pretty squeaky clean coming out of this. Yeah, that's 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 got to say something about the culture they're they're running there with the Nets, right? I know there were some issues with Steve Nash and maybe the way he was handling things, but I mean to lose all three of these guys within you know approximately five months, depending on when the when the trades get get made, because there's no way that Brooklyn's bringing back Kyrie given his you know, history there without Kevin Durant. Now that we know Kevin Durant is out. It's interesting though. We're hearing like a bunch of conflicting reports from some of the most plugged in guys, right? Guys like uh, Brian Windhorst, guys like um, Woj, you know, Shams, everybody like NBA insiders are saying basically the Suns would not obviously be willing to part with Devin Booker. They just signed him to a max extension worth over 200 million, uh, but they would include DeAndre Ayton in, in a trade. And apparently Brooklyn's not willing to take that. So I know you said Durant, it doesn't have the Sixers maybe at the top of his list, but we've again seen reports that Joel Embiid is encouraging management as he should be at this point. If once Kevin Durant, a guy like that but is available, quick, you go out to get him. The, yeah. Do you think there is a player in the entire NBA that is not begging their team to get Kevin Durant right now? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. That's like, that, come that, on. That, yeah. Like, but I mean, I, 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 I personally thought those reports were kind of silly. Like, of course, Joel, like, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't every single player on every single team be asking their GM to get them Kevin Durant? Like, I don't but, know. I just thought that was kind of silly. But, but the key is, Paul, if you are sitting on a team like Oklahoma's city and you're Shea Gilders and Alexander, you have no reason to be asking to get Kevin Durant because, you know, you don't stand a chance. So I do think, well, the Hey, Sixers... they could offer that dub. They could offer, they, well, Shea Gilders would probably be going back to the Nets <laughs> if that happened, but they could offer the, the Oklahoma city could get the package. They could probably get Kyrie and KD if they really wanted to all the assets they have. And, but we know Kevin Durant's not going there, right? Like, it doesn't matter what it is. And I think that's where I, even though he has a four-year extension that hasn't even kicked in yet, you're looking at it. Like, I know it's, it's not going to happen. The chances are minuscule, but you look at, as you mentioned, Tobias Harris, many people have said this online. I'm, I'm with them as well, that you would absolutely include Tyrese Maxey in a deal for Kevin Durant. But I mean, how awesome would it be if Maury found a way to pull this off and have Kevin Durant suiting up in Philly next to Joel and B James Harden and, and the rest of the boys. Would it, would it be good for the Sixers to acquire one of the greatest basketball <laughs> players of all time? Yes, Jazz, it would be great. Um, but the issue is, you know, Tyrese It'd be great Maxey, for the website too. Let's be honest. Oh, I mean, the, the content I, would be I through I the roof. Yeah, it. please. It's gold. Oh my goodness. Um, but the reality is, as good as Tyrese Maxey is, Tyrese Maxey alone is not getting you Kevin Durant. No. Um, no. And again, you'd have to include Tobias Harris because the money involved, it would mm -hmm. have to be Tobias Harris. And then what the hell else are you offering? You're going to offer him what Matisse Thibel? Like this fan base who has ripped on Matisse Thibel relentlessly. Now all of a sudden thinks Matisse Thibel is good enough to get them Kevin Durant. Like it's insane. Um, they don't have draft picks either. Like they can't trade they draft picks because of yeah. the Stepien rule. They can't, they dealt all their, like they, for their neck, for the foreseeable future. They don't really, I think 2027 might be when they can trade a, a first round pick. So like, I, I don't, yeah, I just don't see it. And then I also don't see the nets wanting to help the Sixers out any more than they perceivably already have. I can't imagine Sean Marks wants to now hand them over Kevin Durant after he handed them over James Harden. So for all those reasons, I, I don't listen. If it happens, of course, it will be wonderful. It would be fantastic for the city of Philadelphia. 
it would be so good for great for Joel Embiid and for the Sixers and, and everything. And yes, you you give up whatever you got to to get them, but I happen. just I really have a hard time seeing the pants. I would just love to see it. I, I I would immediately go crazy and start yelling and jump, and then we'd be texting each other oh, about course. having to hop on an emergency pod <laughs> right away as soon as we saw that. Uh, looking around the rest of the NBA, and for you folks who are listening to this, we're recording this legitimately an hour after NBA free agency kicked off. We've seen the major moves happen. I'm looking around at, at the rest of the league. Jalen Brunson signs a four-year deal, leaving Dallas to go to the Knicks, reportedly around $110 million. Is that an overpayment for the Knicks? Because I look at it like Brunson helps you become a play-in team, maybe, or even just vying for one of those spots. But you're going to be paying this guy for the next four years, limiting your cap space. You still got Julius Randle, uh, RJ Barrett's extension is going to kick in. That's going to be, do you like that deal for New York at all? I'm conflicted on it because, um, as we've already talked about with PJ Tucker and with Daniel House, love the player. Jalen Brunson's awesome. Um, you know, Villanova guy. So we all got to watch him a great deal around here. And he's he's a hell of a basketball player. And he looked, I'll tell you what, he looked damn good for Dallas in the playoffs, man. Even when Luca was out and he really stepped up, he looked awesome. Um, so the player I love. Is he going to be worth that contract? And is he worth all of the kind of trouble the Knicks went through clearing space and all that to get him? We're going to find out. Uh, although you did. The one thing I will say you did find you did mention like a guy like Julius Randle. I think he only has one year left, so they're going to have that money off the books. And with that, perhaps a, a bigger a deal comes down the road. Brunson still is pretty young. And I, I have a big, I, not a big, but I'm an RJ Barrett fan. I, I think I like he still RJ has a, Barrett too. Yeah. Yeah. I think he still has a chance to be a pretty damn good player. So um, him and Brunson's a pretty good start. You know, whether again, value wise, contract wise, is that, is that going to work out? I, I'm not hundred percent sold, but those two, and then eventually a third player that isn't quite. And with all due respect, I just, I'm just not, I'm not a Julius Randall guy. I think he had one terrific season and I just don't think he is that player. So, um, yeah, I, I do worry about that. And if, if he's he, that's going to work out. But, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I, I just I, I'm happy for Jalen Brunson, too, because, again, as a villain, a guy I watched play for Villanova and he was so good. Um, I had so much fun watching him. I'm, I'm pulling for him and I'm happy he got I'm happy he got his bag. I'm happy he's closer to home. But it, it's 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 tough for me to sit, sit here and say, yes, I think it's a home run or no brainer for the Knicks. But uh, the player himself, I think, is a great get. Yeah, I, I like I like him as a player. Again, I just don't I don't agree with teams like the Knicks who are trying to band aid their problems. Like I I, lo I love what Houston's doing. I love what the Pistons are trying to do. I like what OKC is trying to do. You're going to bottom out uh, Houston, obviously a little bit of a different story in terms of market size and and players wouldn't mind playing there compared to a, a Detroit or an OKC, but you're looking at it like it's it's better to just tear it down and try and build your way up. And if you if you hit in the lottery and, and hit the jackpot on a couple of picks, chances are your team's going to be very good for a four or five year stretch there. And you have to maximize your chances to winning at winning a title. And now you look at a, a team like the Washington Wizards, Bradley Beal opted out, re-signed five years, $251 million. Okay, good for you, Bradley Beal, but the rest of that squad, you ain't doing anything. You know what I mean? You're going to score your 30 points a game, but your team isn't winning much. Um, let's wrap up on this here, Paul. I wanted to get, I know this doesn't sound kind of mean-spirited, but uh, it's the real truth. What the hell do you think happens to Ben Simmons now in, in Brooklyn? Do you, oh, do you think that the Nets man. even hang on to him at this point, or are they try and shop him as well? 
uh, the, 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 the word is they're keeping him and he wants to be there. So, but listen, isn't this what Benson has wanted all along, right? Mm-hmm. Wanted his own team, wanted to, wanted to run the show. Well, it looks like he's going to have a chance to do that. So, uh, we will see. I know this is a David early fever dream here. Uh, Ben Simmons surrounded by shooters. So, uh, he could be happy about this. Seth Curry, Patty Mills. Patty Mills is back. Yeah, he resigned. Yeah, Patty Mills yeah. resigned. So, yeah, surround, surround Ben Simmons with shooters and let him cook, man. Let's see. Let's see how that goes for the Nets. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 going to be fun. I mean, we're still not done yet with with what we know is going to happen around the NBA. Of course, we got to see what happens with Zach Levine. Uh, the Kevin Durant situation obviously is going to play out at some point. Might not be at the end of the day today. Might even happen a, a couple of days or, or weeks from now. We don't know. But we got you covered for the first hour of free agency. As I mentioned, the Sixers end up signing PJ Tucker, signed Daniel House. Uh, also picked up traveling queen. He is a two-way contract, but should be at training camp at the very least. Uh, Paul, we were all over this. I know you're a busy man. Uh, so thank you for, for joining me to do this. And we might talk again before the end of the night. If, if we see something happen here. Yeah, man, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this part of Sixers daily, your post NBA free agency edition. We'll have you covered with another one, a part two coming up, depending on what happens in the NBA landscape, whether we see a Durant deal, the Sixers make a move. We don't know yet. Like I said, we're recording this literally an hour into free agency. Don't forget though, coming up on Friday, Sean will be back with the talking about podcast. He'll give you some details on what happened. It was James Harden's new deal. We're expecting it to be little under 38 million or maybe right around there to keep the Sixers under the apron to make sure they're not completely hard capped and can't make any moves, which is obviously legal too in the NBA CBA. So that'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned, always don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're going to have you covered all the way throughout the NBA offseason.